Once again, I want to say welcome to yet another episode of Live at Lee's Place, brought to you by me, Lee McRae, the creator of the Vocal Mastery Program, which you can find at vocalmastery.com. It's a great pleasure to have this young man with me today, and I know he'll like the word young there. Yeah. Uh, a gentleman that I met, as it turns out, 18 years ago, and we may have an opportunity to talk a little bit about that as we go along. He's a fantastic singer. Uh, and we've become good friends over the years. He never, ever fails to not only stay in touch but invite me to his shows when he's in town every 12 to 18 months or so. Please welcome my guest today, Paul Lyons. Hi, all. There you go. And good the, to be here. The applause is triumphant, as it always. Yeah, you can hear it in the background there, you know. That's, well, you can never get enough applause. That's exactly true. Um, we were chatting a little bit earlier there about, uh, before we came on air, about how we met and that, and we might discover that. But I just want folks to know what you're doing and why Why I see you this every 12, it seems 12 to 18 months. Yeah, we do. Constantly two, on the road. That's right. We do two tours. With the show is the Australian BG show, and it's based in uh, Las Vegas uh, on the, the Las Vegas Strip at the Excalibur Hotel and Casino, and it's been there since they signed the initial contract in March of 2011. Right. I had met the guys uh, going back as far as 2009. I had to fill in for Dave. He wasn't well at the time, playing a part of Robin in the show. And um, did a couple of shows for him. I think it was Baruga and Wagga Wagga. And they went reasonably well. And I sort of didn't really expect to do that much more with them. And mm-hmm. then Dave had to take some time off for health reasons. And uh, the next time I did a show was uh, 2010. I had to fill in for him for a month in the US. They were doing shows all over for a couple on the... The East Coast, couple through the Midwest region, and then we did a week in Vegas and a week in Laughlin, uh, which is about a, an hour and a half down the road from Vegas on the Colorado River. And so that was my uh, first real introduction to working with them and touring and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. then they signed a contract in March 2011 with Excalibur and then sort of very quickly worked out that they were going to need to put a line-up together to do their touring commitments because right. they were now fully contracted to Excalibur. Mm. Doing, uh, they do six nights a week there. Yeah, and how long has that show been going? Because it's been a lot longer than 2009, 20, right? 23, 22 years, I yes. want to say. Yes, um, They've been doing the Bee Gees. They, they had done a Eagles slash Beach Boys show prior. Oh, right, yeah. Um, which is how Dave sort of got the gig. He came in as a lead guitarist. And he's a very accomplished yeah. guitarist, mm. and he was playing essentially Joe Walsh in the show. Mm-hmm. And then when they decided to do the spin-off and, and go in the Bee Gees direction... They very quickly worked out that, that Dave would make a good Robin. Um, right. Much to certainly his his displeasure because he he, oh, really? he considered himself a good singer. Um, yeah. Well, not for that style. I mean, you know, yes. Light, Robin's a very light singer, mm. and for someone like for me, it's a good thing um, because it, it really allows me to, to use the technique um, for all it's worth, and and you can get through night after night after night after night without breaking down. Mm. There are times where, you, you know, after four or five nights on the trot, you start to get a little bit tired and the voice is just not quite where you want it to be and I might have to muscle a little bit more than I'd like, but it's mm-hmm. still, it's just a case of, you know, if you're placing it properly and, and opening it all up and closing the, the ugly vowels down, it really just gets, it's just, a, it's not a hard gig, although yeah. most people say, how do you get all the high notes? Well, it's um, uh, elastic band sometimes. Yeah. Um, it does help. 
Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> could I just, just put a, a prerequisite in? I do the funny stuff. Right, it's the important okay. thing, right? Um, <laughs> look, I'm gonna, I would do want to talk to you about that because I've seen the show. Well, I'll be seeing it tonight because you, yeah. you're performing in a theatre very Absolutely. close to here, actually literally 15 minutes yeah. away from here. And, um, you know, it's always, it's always a great show and, and you know, um, you are always on the money. I've, I've never heard you not on the money ever. You know? oh, I appreciate that. And, but it, it's a tough gig at that point. It's a, it is a demanding thing. Yeah, and it's, it moves around a lot. It, like, for Robin, Robin sang predominantly in his mix, like mm. right in that you know, crossover from chest to head. Um, right. And, and it's fine if you've got good technique, but when you've got somebody who's struggling with technique and can't get into their mix, you, you've got one option. You've got two options. You're either falsetto, which yeah. is not going to help you no. with power, or you go chest voice, it's not going to help you because it, you can't, you're in an area where you don't want to be pushing chest. And you can't get the tone either, can you? You no, can't, you can't blend successfully. It's very harsh and, and, and not very nice, pleasant to listen to. You know, it, it's interesting you lead us into that point because in the, the time that we've known each other, you know, I'm a big advocate for mix, a big, a big advocate for the mix, the middle, the gospel spot. What it doesn't matter what you want to call it. Call it, give it your own name. Mm. But if you're not able to get through... And from the male voice, we're talking coming up the, uh, this is from middle C, D, E flat, E, F, F sharp, around that area. If you're not able to blend or mix or whatever you want to call it through there, you're right. You're either going to have to disconnect yeah. or you're going to have to pull your chest up. And both of those things have got, they're, they're limited. Yeah. But being able to mix, you can take, how far would you take your mix up then? You, uh, feel you can take it right through to the high C, the C sharp, the D and... Yeah, essentially, once I'm in there, and I mean, actually, Peter Couples, and I don't like to drop names, but yeah. Peter Couples was actually, he said to me once, I'm amazed at how low in your register you actually get into mix. Because mm-hmm. he's uh, he's very much stretches the chest as far as he can and then, yes. and, and then mixes. Uh, but he was actually amazed that there are songs where we've sang together and he was saying, well, I can't get over how early you get into your mix. Right. And probably not quite like that now because what I found was it's great if you're singing solo, or mm-hmm. even a, a light acoustic duo. But if you're doing a band situation, and, and the Bee Gees is a good example, that live drums, and, and we're running in-ears, which does help, but in the initial stages, we're in fallbacks and amps and that on the stage. Mm-hmm. And if you mix too early or too low in your register, it really does, it becomes a problem for your front of house engineer. Because they're going right. to push the mic that much harder, which creates feedback problems. And, right. And, uh, of course, the keys are set. So you're doing things, I guess, traditionally Original to the keys. Bee Gees keys. Yep. So, you know, you, you, I, this is an odd state. You're wearing somebody else's underwear is the way I was saying. And this is, you know, this is what happens for us when we go into musical theatre. Unless you're a big star and, and you'd have to be ginormous star, like, for example, Madonna. Mm. They change the keys for Evita and whatnot. Yeah. You, you've got to be able to do those songs in the keys that they're written. Um, you may, on a rare occasion... If the song is soloed and not segued into other orchestrations, but even that, I mean, I've only ever seen it a couple of times. Yeah, and the only song that, that sort of breaks the rule on that one, and we still go for the higher key, is if you listen to the original version of um, Too Much Heaven, uh-huh. it's actually on the off key. It's it's not it's it's not a key below or a key above. It's halfway between. So, like in other words, they just basically tuned up and said, "Okay, let's go," sort of thing. I guess so. Yeah. I think uh, another. You reminded me. I think yesterday the original production of yesterday is like that. It's sort of somewhere between somewhere in the middle. F sharp and G 
depending on which version you listen to. Certainly live, it was wherever they were, I suppose. Yeah, so you, you know? don't know whether, they, whether the engineers, I mean, in, the, in those days, obviously, they're on reel-to-reel, so yeah. they could speed things up and slow it down. So you don't yes. know whether they'd possibly sped it up slightly to make it sound better. Because yeah. I always said that speeding things up does make them better to listen to. It makes it brighter. Um, that was something that Benny and Beyond did. Um, they, I think... Uh, uh, they used to record at whatever inches per second it used to be. Now, I'm from that era, but I'm, mm. you know, the two-inch day, so I'm probably talking people don't even know what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But so you essentially had a, a tape machine, yeah. and I can remember being in the studio and recording, and if, you know, if you just weren't quite getting the top note, the engineer could slightly slow the speed of the tape down, so you can understand yeah. that that would change the pitch. Yeah. And, then they, uh, and then they would often master at a slightly faster speed. There's an album that comes to mind. It's the uh, Billy Joel album, Cold Spring Harbor, the very first okay. album. And it's essentially why he walked out of his deal because they mastered it. If you find a, an original copy of it, right. it's mastered it. It's almost chipmunky. Right. By the way, that's how they got the chipmunks suit. Oh. That's exactly how exactly. they got that, that thing. So it's possible they just said, oh, okay, we're in tune, lads. Let's yeah. do it sort of thing. Or you, that, that's an interesting thing. But you're right. You, you've got to keep trying to fit into what, what somebody else's, you know, You've got to kind of mould your voice into what they're doing. And the thing is, too, with the Bee Gees and, and probably the only, you know, I, mean, I suppose you could, you could bring in you know, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles, the bands that have covered you know, three and four decades mm. of, of music and the music industry changed so much from when the Bee Gees first came along. They were yeah. heavily influenced by the Beatles and so that's a sort of, and they had a really sort of melancholy sound in the, fir- in the 60s. Mm. And Robin was a predominant singer in the 60s. So he had start, I started a joke in Massachusetts for like yeah. sort of really sobby sort of singing. And he had that real distinct warble in his voice that made him quite, you know, no one else sounds like Robin Gibb. Mm. And even I can't, I, I try my best, but it's it's still, it's not, it's quite a unique sound. It's not something that's easy to, to mimic. And the vibrato was extraordinary. It's it, 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 it almost yeah. sometimes, uh, it runs around like a drunken monkey almost, yeah. you know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's all that, but... Um, I remember, see, you're tilting memories for me, which is good. Um, I remember they did, so the Bee Gees were on the film version of Sgt. Peppers, which was a disaster, right? The movie was a disaster. But I saw an interview with Sir George Martin, and he said when they doubled their vocals, the doubles, he would put the faders up. The doubles were perfect. They were impeccable. And he sat there with disbelief. He went... Did I press record on two tracks at the same time? But, he, but even Barry and Robin, when they yeah. they would often double track each other and yes. sing in unison. Yeah. Even though their two voices were so distinct, when they got together, the three brothers, when they when they sang side by side around the microphone, which we do yeah. in the show, their voices. I mean, part of it's brotherhood. Yeah. You know, when you when you there is something about about, um, about that, but yeah, they just had just that, and there's even clips of them doing interviews on the. You know, not like not the Mike Walsh show with Clive Robbins or something like that, mm-hmm. where they they do just a little ditty with the three of them. It's something that they mm-hmm. sang when they were kids, and they still just even with the, the boom mic over the top. Yeah. Of them, just had that. Wow. I, I've had that experience. Uh, some fellow Las Las Vegans, is that how we'd call them? Las Vegans. Las Las Vegans. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I did quite a lot of work with the Human Nature guys in the yeah. in the early days. Now they're very similar, and so that's hopefully for another interview. I just missed them. They're in town at the moment, they are, but uh, yeah. um, they they come and go quick. Yeah. And uh, so um, certainly the brothers in that when they sing together. Well, but of course the four of them have been singing together. It's nearly thirty years now. Yeah. And when they sing together, it's it's seamless, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know they're fantastic at it. Um, I'm curious about um, 
where, you know, when the, the period of time that we met, and I know that we met uh, via the telephone. From, that's that, the best way. We didn't meet in person for quite a while. No, we did. And, and, and it all came about, obviously, Seth Riggs. Um, I had the book you know, Singing for the Stars, and, mm-hmm. and it came out of necessity for me. I remember we, I was in a band called Logic at the time, which was just we were doing cover bands. We had a few mm-hmm. original songs, but essentially we were playing rock cover songs, you know, mm-hmm. Cold Chisel, you know, Choir Boys, all that sort of stuff, which vocally is... is not easy to, to sing if, mm. you, if you don't have some ounce of technique. And being a young guy from, you know, like from age 17, I was belting my guts out at school in the high school yeah. band and, and then we you know, go straight into playing covers. And when you're, when you're young, you have the elasticity in your voice and you get away with belting your guts out. And it seems, yeah. 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 And it just keeps bouncing back. But once you get over that, you know, 20, 24, 25, you don't have that luxury anymore. And my wake-up call was I think we'd done a double header at, the Railway Hotel in, in Daniliquin. The band was based there at the time, and I was literally coughing up blood in the shower on the Saturday morning after doing yeah. a, after doing a Friday night gig, and we still had a Saturday and Sunday to get through. Yes, and I remember the bass player. What are you going to do? I, said, I, I don't know. We end up trying to get a friend of mine from Cobram to help out on the Sunday gig, but I remember walking into a music shop in Shep on the Monday morning. We had to take some stuff back that we hired over the weekend, and and and. Johnny that ran the shop is. She said, "You don't sound too good. You need to have a listen to that. Read the book over there. It's really you. Know, you might you might understand it. I don't get it, but you might understand it." So, I remember reading the, the prologue, just the opening page. <clears throat> Sorry, so that's what doing that does to your voice. Yes. Um. Uh, and it just it was basically my vocal life in a nutshell. Everything yeah. that I experienced or was experiencing was written on this page. I mean, I need to buy this book. Yeah. When was that? That would have been... 90, in the 90s? Yeah, 90. That would have been did it, about 90, 93, 94, I think right. I bought that. Did it have cassette tapes on did the front it have of two, it? Did have two cassettes. Oh, my goodness. That's how I remember that, that too. Yeah, that was stuck with double-sided tape on the front. That's yes. right. And, yeah. and that was all I had. And, um, and as, look, I immediately, like, we, I got out of the band... No, it must have been around 97. 97 it would have been because I immediately decided, you know, we, the band was getting to a point where we'd sort of gone as far as we could playing covers. Look, some guys were over it, some mm. weren't. Yeah. And I just really wanted to take a step back and just learn how to reuse my voice and do it properly. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't do that in a band sense because no matter how much you try to apply technique at home, as soon as you get on stage and your fallbacks are blaring and the drummer's playing yeah. and the guitar's turned up to 11, all the technique goes out the window. Oh, it's a rare singer that will keep their technique when there's volume around them. I, I, I've, I often say in the studio there when, when I'm working with people, look, if you don't control the volume, if I had the radio in the background I turn it up and you and I are just talking, yeah. eventually we're going to start, we have to start doing something yeah. in order to just try and communicate effectively. I've only seen a handful of singers in my life that irrespective of what's going on around them, I mean, you could start a construction site next to them yeah. and they will stay because... They have such an innate sense of where their voice sits. Yeah, that's what we're going for. But but it's it's knowing it's in, and at the time I was learning. Of course, so, so you don't know it yet. That's I understand. right. So I yeah. haven't come in. I got in touch with that feel and that sensation yep. of what you of when you know you're in the zone. Mm. Um, and so as soon as we get on stage, it'd, it'd be out the window, and I'd be back where I started yeah. on Monday morning. So taking the time off, and I didn't. I honestly planned to not do anything other than maybe the odd solo gig for 12 months. Mm-hmm. And then ended up doing a duo with a friend of mine, the friend who'd actually filled in the cover for me on the Sunday when oh, I right. my voice out. Mm-hmm. We ended up doing a duo for four years. 
and it was good because you can control the elements. You know, Correct. Everything track can turn the track down. You can turn your vocal up. We were still using foldback. But I can honestly say any singers out there that are having trouble with vocal technique, the best investment you'll ever make, good microphone and in your monitoring. Oh, yeah. You just, I cannot. This is a recurring thing I'm getting talking to singers. Uh, and, I, you know, I'm Mr. Dinosaur Man. I only yeah. invested in them about two or three years ago because, well, for most of my performing career, and, you know, I've sort of been semi-retired for quite a yeah. while, while I was singing acoustically on stage in theatre, you don't you don't need it because, you, no. you know, you, you sort of, there's a pit orchestra and there's even side film, you know, Absolutely. or side fold back yeah. and whatnot. But I bought some when I started doing some stuff, and they took a bit of adjusting. I must say, it's yeah, like singing in a, in a, in a, in a yeah. Yeah, but I even record with them now. Yeah, I actually put them in for recording, even though I've got expensive headphones and whatnot. Yeah. I just have learned that intimacy that I've got with them. Yeah. I usually put one in, one out, sort of thing. Yeah, well, and, got, uh, I mean, we've we've got an endorser with with sixty four audio, and and they've got the six drivers now. Right, I like the, you can get them up to eighteen drivers, oh. which I'd love to get, but for, you know, three three thousand nine hundred ninety nine dollars, I can't. I would say by the time the, this podcast goes out, they, they might be calling us. They might be. We're, we're, hopefully, who's that? What's that company again? Sixty four audio. Sixty four audio. They've, they've, we'll find their website and put it at the They're bottom. Very there. very good. Um, if that, everyone rings up or calls up to sixty four audio. And then uh, they'll send us a pair of 18 drivers. You're tuned in to Live at Lee's Place, where we talk to singers about singing stuff. Proudly presented by VocalMastery.com, where there's never been a better time to become a great singer. I can't say enough there about people experimenting with any monitoring, you know. Now, you know, you, you and I came from, well, certainly in my case, I came from old, old school monitors. And, and to me, it's it still, get back to that point, doesn't matter how loud those monitors are. If you're in the middle of it and a loud band behind you, you've still got that issue of trying to match the volume. It's a rare person who won't push or won't yell. One of the common themes you're going to see on these podcasts, do you see podcasts? Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Listening and seeing them. See? Is that um, I've been contacting folks similar, like Paul, people that I've known over a long period of time who... I've been very fortunate to work with and, and you know, help them out uh, as best I can. But then they've gone out and they've proven it to themselves. Not, not, not proving it to me. They're proving it to themselves because they're on the road. They're performing multiple nights per week. They're traveling. They're in aircraft. There's all of those tests that really, really will stretch a technique at that point, right? And you've got to have technique to go with. I want to ask a few vocal things now. Um, and the, a question I ask everyone that comes onto the show is, when did you know you were a singer? Uh, singer, I suppose, well, when I was used to get on the swing in the backyard at home. How, how old, would you say? Well, knee high to a grasshopper. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly how old Three, I was. I was, four. I was in primary school. Right. But um, old enough that I could put a tape in the cassette player and turn it up as loud as it would go and I'd just swing in the backyard mm. and just sing along with whoever it was, maybe Toto or, oh, or Jerry or whatever. You know, yeah. So going, going way back. And dad, and mum, mum and dad, they had different people aren't you? that. Yeah. John Denver, Glenn Campbell. It's a fairly, it was a fairly diverse mix of stuff. Great, two great singers with. right there. Well, absolutely. And, and, Glenn Campbell, what a and great And Glenn Campbell singer. was sort of like my catch sort of phrase prior to doing the Bee Gees was, and it's part of the reason how I got the gig, was I always, I've always referred to myself as like a vocal chameleon and right. sounding like different singers. Which, by the way, that's your uh, handle, isn't it? For, that is. um, your 
uh, Instagram, Instagram, I think. Yeah. yeah, we're going to put all the details uh, for Paul because I, I want you to know more about this guy. And they'll be in. I keep. I have to do this apparently, according to my my camera guy. Yeah. It's all down there somewhere, okay. wherever it is. You know. <laughs> so, um, so you found that Glenn Campbell was a big influence. For you? Well, he was a vocal chameleon as well. I didn't yeah. realize. So I read up a little bit about him. He was obviously a very, very accomplished session guitarist, mm-hmm. and um, but uh, he was also an accomplished singer and could mimic. Different singers, and so yeah. what I found it was how how he ended up getting um, along with. Um, but, I'm having a mental blank now. Jimmy um, Webb. Jimmy Webb. Mm. Um, Jimmy Webb and uh, various songwriters would come in with a song idea, and they'd want to pitch it to it might be Willie Nelson, it might mm. be Hank Martin. It wouldn't matter who they wanted to pitch it to. They get Glenn to come in and channel that singer, so yeah. then they could take it to that singer and, and go, "Well, yeah, we think you should sing this." So. And Jimmy Webb had written Wichita Line Man and didn't know, he had no idea who he wanted to pitch it to. So mm. he just basically said, look, look, just go in there and sing it how you would. He sang it and Jimmy Webb said, yeah, well, no one else is going to sing that better than what you just did then. And, yeah. it, and it's just the most That's, beautiful I'm, song. Hairs on the back of my neck are going up. Yeah. I had this really, really interesting, I don't know how these things happen to me, but, but I've been very fortunate in my life and uh, in many, many ways. I went to see Jimmy Webb at the State Theatre here in Sydney, and wow. he was playing and singing and whatnot. Yeah. Anyhow, as circumstances had it, the person I went with, the friend of mine I went with, we went and had a cup of tea or whatever afterwards, or a glass of wine, I can't remember what it was. We came back via the State Theatre, and there's Jimmy Webb out the wow. front. Well, now, most of the people that I've met in my life, I, I, and sometimes I've thought, gee, should I leave him alone? You know, I don't want to pester people. But at the same time, I want to go up and say to this guy, the influence you've had on my life is extraordinary. And I thought, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll shake my hand. But 30 minutes later, mm. I'm still talking to Jimmy Webb, right? Yeah. And his wife was with him, and he was the most gracious fellow. Now, the two singers that I heard the most growing up, my father played Glenn Campbell and uh, Harry Nilsson. Right. Now, Harry Nilsson, for those folks who don't know, uh, did Without You, which a lot of people think Mariah Carey, mm. that was, which was a big hit for Mariah. Yeah. And we got talking all sorts of things, but he told me about uh, putting Glenn Campbell in the studio and he said, I just pressed the button. Mm. So, uh, and he'd go, you want me to do it again? He'd go, well, if you want. <laughs> and he just kept pressing the button and it, it just came out great every time. Yeah. Whereas Harry, um, if, if anyone knows anything about Harry Nilsson, um, Harry was a whole different kettle of fish. You know, his voice was all over the place and he, wow. depending on where he was as, a, as an individual at the time, um, you, you know, he had a lot of uh, personal problems and whatnot, but a great songwriter. And uh, anyhow, that was kind of a little cool Jimmy Webb thing. That was a really, really cool moment. And uh, I see that he's coming again, uh, or may I may have missed him. We were, I was just away overseas for a while. And a whole bunch of local Australian artists like Jimmy Barnes and a few people, it's the songs of Jimmy Webb, and it's wow. um, whether he's playing for them or not, I don't know. But anyhow, if you get an opportunity, you should go and have a look at that. I want to talk a little bit more about, um, I'm sure they're going to Melbourne as well. Mm -hmm. If you happen to be in town, that'd be great. What would a daily regime for you be like with regard to your voice? And I guess there's a bit of depending on if you've got a show or if you've got a day off. Can you just give the the listeners a little bit of an idea? I I literally do. I have a half-hour routine of just exercises that I've got together. I do that that daily. Mm -hmm. And what what exercises are they? Oh, yeah. I have a really weird tongue exercise that I do, so it's just poking your tongue out and mm, like humming. Right, but going stretching scales, out sort of thing. Yep, going through scales, uh, smaller scales where the, the the increments are closer together, so mm-hmm. 
good room for that. Maybe like say the three tones and then to five tones yeah, and yeah. Right, that sort of and thing. And then yeah. um, you know, basically opening opening vowels up, singing ah, uh, at, mm-hmm. e, um, tongue tongue trills occasionally. Um, I'm not real big on lip rolls. Sometimes I can do them. I don't like to do it this way. Right. So I just find tongue trills. Yeah, ooh, it's very effective. Yeah, works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just basically it's just a, it, it's around about a twenty-five to thirty-minute routine, and I just do it daily. And the reason I do it is just keeping the voice in condition, even if I'm not. I don't have to do a show. Yeah. Because I find that if you even, and this is even if you if you've got a head cold or a chest cold, or because it, it actually speeds up your recovery. Mm-hmm. The one mistake that I've learnt the hard way is resting, 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 drinking heaps of fluid. Like fluids are paramount. If, you, if you're singing, you've got to have heaps of water. I drink water like there's no tomorrow on stage. In fact, I hear a lot of people ask me, are you okay? Are you drinking a, a, a scary amount of water? Mm. No, just I've got, yeah, yeah. I have a lot of chance to drink when I'm on stage with the show because right. I'm not playing a, an instrument and when I'm robbing. So, um, so I just make a point. Any chance I get, I, I'll, I'll lubricate. Um, but... I've found that when you get run down with a head cold or a chest chest infection or whatever, you don't use your voice. And what happens is, is it's almost like your voice knows it's not required and so it shuts down properly. Good point, yeah. And then it takes it's that much longer to get mm. it back to that peak mm-hmm. condition where you can go out and do a show. So I just find doing it daily, even if I'm not well, at least I get a yardstick. What if you, uh, if it was sore to sing, would you tend to not do as much or would you still do something? Like if it hurt obviously, you, in other words, if you had an infection if or... If it's sore, you, you, you've got to be super light, yeah. ultra light. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's if it's causing you discomfort and pain, don't do it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you've got viral laryngitis, for argument's sake, which is, you know, just... No, you probably have to off to rest at I'm that point. Talk, I'm talking coming off the back or pushing through a, a chest infection where it's not necessarily a voice... That's it's yeah. You know, it might be really badly husky and a lot deeper than what you might mm-hmm. tend to see. I can do a really good Morgan Freeman impersonation yeah. when I'm not well. I hope not. Um, <laughs> but I can't do it when I'm well. Um, I just don't have that bottom end timber. Sorry. But um, but yeah. So I'm not. Yeah. If you're in pain and you're coughing up blood, don't don't do any valid advice. Yes. Um, is that's the vocal tip for the day? If you're in pain and coughing up blood, yeah. probably see a doctor. I would exactly. suggest. I think we'll, I think we'll put that disclaimer in right now. Exactly. You know? So um, by doing something every day, and so it works out to be around 25 or 30 minutes. Yeah, about 30 And minutes. then you mention your hydration. I mean, once again, these are, these are common things you're hearing on these podcasts all the time. And yet, it, 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 during the summer months when I'm teaching, I have singers who can't sing for 20 or 30 minutes, because, and they say, oh, but, you know, I'm drinking water. But they went to the beach all day. Mm. They don't realise the dehydration is going you, on. you just got to be drinking if water. You, if time. you really want to get a scary understanding of just how quickly the body can dehydrate and how much of a bad effect that can have on your voice, I urge you, go on a holiday for a month to Vegas Yes, and try and sing. Yeah. It's, I was going to actually, that's one of my questions I was going to ask because I, I, the same with the um, the human nature guys, the, the adjustment was enormous for them. Well, they, they have what's called Vegas throat over there. Yeah. And basically, it's what I've worked it out. I didn't know what they were talking about at first, but it's what I was having problems with in Chicago. Remember right. I rang you out of the blue? Yes. Was how I come off the back of a chest infection and I had a really bad phlegm and it was forming almost on the cords themselves. Mm-hmm. And what we worked out that what, what I was doing wrong, even though it was a humid climate in Chicago in July, I was sweating a lot, dehydrating, mm-hmm. clearly. 
wasn't drinking anywhere near the amount of water that I should. And mm. the first question you asked me, how much water are you drinking? I'm, going, oh, I'm drinking a heap on stage. Yeah, but during the day, how much yeah. are you drinking? And so it's once, the only way to break that phlegm down. Absolutely. So so just a, just an understanding, and we're going to go back to that point, understanding of when you sing, your vocal cords come together in whatever yeah. fashion, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. But in order to protect them, mucus rushes to the vocal cords. Yeah. That's exactly what it's meant to do. Absolutely. However, the condition of that mucus is the biggest Different. So yeah. if you just had, and I use this example, if you just had a cheese milkshake, which I don't think there is such a thing, but which imagine how thick and gooey that yeah. is, there's every chance you're going to get thickened phlegm going Absolutely. to the courts. Now, if you've got a cold or an infection or something, so the only way to break that down is through is through water, you know. And Vegas is a classic example of that because it fast tracks the thing. Your body is producing saliva to lubricate your cords, lubricate your cords. Because it's so dry there. That's right. Yeah. It's, and you live in air conditioning it, like that's right. the whole if you're year, not, right? If you're not drinking, then that, that saliva builds up and becomes something that's more like clay. Yeah. Yes, and, it's bloody, isn't it? And this yeah. is where the term vagus throat comes from because it, to you, the singer, it feels like you've got a constant ball yeah. stuck on your core. Yes, a verbal thing, <laughs> no yeah. Amount, no Awful. amount of, you can't clear it. You saw with the, um, when they built, it's, it's the Colosseum where they, that they built there for Celine, I think, you know, is yeah. the MGM. And, uh, um, Caesars. Caesars, I'm oh, sorry, Caesars. forgive me. Yeah. Yeah. I have been Well, in, I think MGM might Yeah, but, um, and what they did was they put the humidifiers in the floor. And uh, I saw that in the documentary, the Celine uh, documentary, and you see her going to the theatre with the, she's going for a bit of steam on the way, you know. And this yeah, is look, a and really worthwhile thing. they some really good things too, like you know, like just like Target and Coles and one of the places over there, they, they actually sell, it's just a little battery-operated um, steamer. You just fill it right. with water. And it's a personal does thing. It, does it heat, got, because of the battery head. in it, does it heat the, the, the it water, heat, does it? It heats the water up yeah. and it just it basically, like you go through it quickly because it's only a small canister, but it's perfect for if you just want to have a quick steam session before you're going to step on stage. Indeed. Now you lead me into one of today's questions and what happens with the questions, folks, what, what we want you to do is to subscribe, all the details are down there, and uh, by subscribing and being able to answer the questions that will come up during the podcast, one of you is going to, well, well, maybe more than one of you is going to get a digital copy of the Vocal Mastery Program right there, that thing there, but although we don't have it like that anymore, it comes, it's invisible. It's I don't digital, know how all that works. Digital download. It's a digital download. Uh, I think you probably mentioned, let's go for question two, always read by our guest. Question two there is, do you need the specs? So if I have a singing engagement, I should, A, drink copious amounts of alcohol, uh, B, Scream at my favourite sports team. Or yes. C, rest, inhale, steam, warm up and hydrate. Yes. I'm going to go with C. You're going with C? Yeah. I'd go with that. Let's see what, what the uh, what the listeners send in. And you can respond to that. Once again, it's down here, but it's going to be at voice at vocalmastery.com, which right. is our email address. So um, that's that's the, that's a bit of a trick question, that one. So we <laughs> hang on to that because they're, they're, uh, there's more questions to come. All right. So the yeah the Vegas throat. Um, I also get uh, clients that are working in Europe in the winter time, which of course is a silly thing. Most smart, um, I was going to say smart artists. You got to be careful how you say that. You, you notice most touring acts are following the sun around the world that, because you, it's better for um, outdoor concerts, all yes. that sort of stuff. But if you happen to be uh, and right now in Australia here it's winter, whilst winter here doesn't compare even marginally to winter in Europe. No. I've got clients that are currently working in the snow fields, you know, doing gigs and whatnot, and it's yeah. the same issue. I mean, the, the air is freezing cold. Yeah. It dries them out. You Absolutely. go, look, it's water and steam. There's no there's no great secret to it, but will you do it? 
That's the point. The good thing with Germany and most European places is you would be well aware of being over there that mm. they have steam rooms and they have saunas. Yeah. And so what we'd do if we were playing in a venue and, a, and the hotel room had that option, yeah. we'd go and sit in the steam room for half an hour and then Mate, go how good is that, right? and then go out and have a shower, freshen up and bang. Yeah, the there stage. are two stories that come to mind. I'll, I'll be brief with them. One was about Sinatra when he would do Vegas because mm. of that thing with the, with the, with the Vegas throat. Vegas yep. He would go into his bathroom. Now, this must this would be uh, before the days where hot water is monitored now, as in because of kids, you know, scalding oh, yeah. their arms and whatnot. But he would run the bath full tilt, mm. and he would he would close the bathroom door, and he would in there Creating and step in. Also, used to put his jacket in there apparently for all the steam it, you know, yeah, yeah. To, to get the wrinkles out of it. And uh, I was reading Tom Jones' uh, biography, which is a great read, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, he was doing Vegas for months at a time, yeah. and sometimes two shows a day. So he would sleep. He was a, uh, he's a night owl, Tom. Mm. He, he would sort of get to bed, you know, early hours Which of the is, morning. It's hard to not be in Vegas. But, right. So he'd go out and he'd do it, but he would he would sleep. He would go, he would have almost a two-hour rub down, whatever that means. I'm going to leave it at that, that point. Massage. Uh, massage, thank you. And he would go to the steam room every day religiously. And, and I have a friend of mine who interviewed him one time for a, a TV station here in Sydney, yep. and they said they've never seen somebody drink so much water. Yep. So there, there's once again, the, you, the, there's no great rocket science. This is there. If you, the the, the thing is, no amount of um, willpower, uh, although you'll need that to get through gigs sometimes, because sometimes you can you can steam, you can drink water, you can have, could have had 25 hours of sleep. I don't know whatever that means, and you and the voice still lays down like a dog, and you don't understand. And you go, come on, but. If you're getting the voice up for the show by forcing it, there's every chance you're just giving it a nudge for tomorrow. Yeah. And so you have to have, dare I say, a semblance or a modicum of technique to at least know how to get it into a certain spot. And I want to go back to the exercises you're doing uh, because I'm, I'm assuming that those things get your voice into a certain spot where you go, even if I don't have a show, I'm ready. I can do a show today. Yeah. That's that's what it's about. It's, it's, it? my, it's my just my yardstick to know mm. what I've got on any given day. Because mm-hmm. vocal, vocal uh, is, is a moving target. It changes from one day to the next. Yeah. And when you know you've got specific songs, if I'm doing a solo gig, there are specific songs that I know people are going to want to hear. Mm-hmm. And you want to hopefully be able to deliver those songs. You know, stuff like You're the Voice and yeah. Working Class Man and, and Horses by Daryl Braithwaite. And they're all songs that are way up there. They are. And they require very, very careful technique and, and approach because you just can't, when I was younger, I could have belted through them. But I just don't have that luxury now. So it's yeah. all about creating the illusion that I'm sounding like Farnham or Barnsley or Daryl Braithwaite whilst not mm. blowing my voice out of the process. Yeah, so. and I, I know you use the term illusion, but I know you don't mean that in a dishonest fashion. No, but you're, no, you're, no. you're making the notes and, and you're able to perform the songs. Uh, I interviewed a lady the other day, um, one of our other podcasts, and she works on um, cruise ships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're doing four or five hours a night sometimes. So she'll do big songs like Chandelier and these sorts of things. But that's okay when she did at eight thirty. But then someone comes in at half past eleven, wants to hear it again. Yeah, she's got to do it again. Yeah, that's part of her job. She's basically a jukebox that yeah. that plays at the piano. You're tuned in to Live at Lee's Place, where we talk to singers about singing stuff. Proudly presented by VocalMastery.com, where there's never been a better time to become a great singer. So the, uh, it's interesting. The exercises at that point, the water. We've talked a little bit about that. Now, these are some questions that come in from some of our listeners. They yeah. they want to know. 
do you, this is not necessarily particularly for Paul, but generally speaking, do you get nervous? And if you do get nervous, what do you do to ally those nerves or to, to you know, to settle those nerves? I remember reading an interview years ago with Ian Moss. He said the moment you get nervous, you the moment you don't get nervous, you're over it and you need to retire and get out. Yeah. I'm, I must be, I don't know why it is, but I don't get nervous. I think it's just, it's a confidence thing. It's just knowing knowing what you've got in hand, and that's what we're getting back to the moving target. If, if you know, you, you, the only person that knows what you're capable of on, on vocally any given day is you. Mm-hmm. No one else knows what you're capable of. So it's about, for want of a better word, bullshitting your way through a gig. Yeah. So being, and when I say that, I, I, I don't mean it in a bad way. I mean, you... You don't mean it dishonestly. That's right. Technique... Right. Technique gives you the ability to create the appearance that you're singing in full voice and you've got everything on tap and you can just, the world's your oyster. But it might not necessarily be the case. So where I might be able to muscle a, a certain song on one day, I just don't have that power. And it might be because I've done you know, four or five shows back to back in the case of the Bee Gees. It might be just we've just got off a flight from LA and you're yeah. tired. And the first mm-hmm. thing you lose when you get tired is your voice. And that's the other thing that's I we talked about this earlier um, before we came here. Um, I find it's better, and it's only a personal thing. There might be other touring artists out there that don't feel the same way. I find it's better if I hit the ground running and push through the jet jet lag mm-hmm. than if I wind my, cross cross out a week and just go right. I'm going to land and sleep and get as much rest as I can, right. I just find I end up feeling worse and it's so much harder to get, get the voice up and going again mm. than if I just come in, have a few hours sleep and then go out and do a gig. It's like, yeah, it's burning the candlestick at both ends, but if you're maintaining correct technique and posture and, and vowel shapes and all that sort of stuff, you're not hurting yourself mm-hmm. and then after you get through that first gig, you, you do get a good night's rest. Yeah. It's just that... It's getting the rest up to that first gig. Yeah. You find, because you travel quite a bit, and uh, um, I learned this very early in the piece, look, if you arrive somewhere, if it's 6 o'clock in the morning, it's 6 o'clock in the morning. None of this, well, it's really such and such at home. I never, ever do that. I see people walking around with their clock set to where wherever they've come from, and I think that's got to have some sort of psychological effect yeah. with that question. I, I, I once read a thing that was... Well, it's sort of related. It's not related to singing, but it's about wearing a watch, and it was about a coal mining disaster. Right. And um, these guys were trapped, and only one guy was wearing a watch. And to um, kind of ease the fears of the other people, knowing that there, there would be a limited amount of air in there, the guy that had the watch, for every uh, two hours that went by, he only said it was an hour. So, in other words, you know, he's, he's trying mm-hmm. to buy a bit of time. Yeah. Well, they were rescued, and everyone was alive except the guy with the watch. <laughs> Now, he's the only one that actually yeah, knew. Now, now, you know, maybe, maybe he had some other problems, maybe, but, yeah. but nonetheless, there was this sort of consciousness of the time. Look, I, I say this every single day when I'm teaching people, your voice only knows usage and recovery. Yeah. It doesn't know if you're singing in Colorado, Sydney or Melbourne at that point, or in your bedroom, your bathroom or your basement. It has no knowledge. It only knows usage and recovery. That, that's a fair thing, isn't it? At Absolutely. That point. I mean, you have to know what to do with it, but it doesn't care if you're rehearsing, it doesn't care if you're recording, if you're performing live, or as I used before, screaming at your favourite, um, you know, sporting side. It only responds to what you do to it. Yeah. What I will say, though, is that the hardest thing to manage is climate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, time is one thing, and you can, 
my way of getting around the jet lag is as soon as I get on the plane, if I'm in LA and I know I'm flying to Melbourne, I immediately set the time to what time it is in Melbourne. Yeah. I don't worry about because I'm leaving where I'm leaving. There's yeah. no point. That's it. What's it's gone. Time. Yeah. Set it for where you're going. So as soon as you look at your watch when you land, you go, okay, where you know, it's 7.30 in the morning and mm-hmm. here I am in Melbourne. So, But climate, particularly high humidity climate, I find can be a real stressor for vocal cords. You would, you'd, it sounds odd because we like to steam and, and lubricate our vocal cords, but what I've found, and this is only my theory on it, I don't know if I'm right or if I'm nowhere near, I find... I think it's because when you get into high humidities like Mexico or, or northern Australia or mm-hmm. southern California or southern Florida more so, I think everything expands in the humidity and your vocal cords are the same. Yes. Because I find that I sing really, really well when I'm in Vegas because everything dries and thins right out. Right. Sings really well. I can Now that I'm hydrate, hydrated properly now to manage that, I sing like a bird in Vegas, but if I go into southern Florida from Vegas, right, we have a day, we fly in the night before and we do the gig the next day, I find that first gig is just, it's so hard, I, I've got to push harder than I'd like to mm. because the chords don't want to close. And I, my only ex- explanation for it is I think that the chords, everything expands in humidity and it just won't close the way that they would when I'm in Vegas. Yeah. And I only notice it in places where it's high humidity. And yet, with the higher humidity, it's it, it, you're more moist, for want of yeah. a better term, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I worked in southern Florida, I went to Tampa mm. um, for quite a while. Yeah. It's probably going to be the hottest place on yeah. the planet, I think. And and the humidity is like 90% at yeah. 8 o'clock in the morning, right? It's, it's now insane. That, that's, now, only, that's only if you're flying into it. I mean, if you're living there, you get acclimatised. Yeah. Well, no, I'd come uh, at that point when I used to work there um, every uh, year, I would come from Los Angeles. Yeah. So it's quite a change. And yeah. it's during the summer at that point. Big, big change. But then, of course, everywhere you go indoors, it's freezing cold. Everyone's got the, the AC cranked. Yeah. And I just find, look, I, I found that um, the great evener, as best as possible, is water. Yeah. I mean, it may not smooth it out completely, no. but it helps out quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I don't know about it. I, 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 see, I would prefer to be in a humid environment to sing than, than in a more dry environment. But and, and it's, if you've got the ability to climatise to it, yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yes. But um, I just find that whenever, we, whenever I go in and do the show in Vegas, it's like, oh, wow, I can sing so light, like feather light, and it's just it, – Compression and, yeah. and and it just sounds beautiful, and then if ever I've got to go and do a gig in like That's uh, good. Darwin, Darwin was an interesting one. It's like we got right. on stage and it was like, wow, I've done a warm up. It feels great, but as soon as I go to sort of lean into it, it just wants to and, and open. And, Very interesting. So, I, I, I don't have a I don't have a solid enough answer. Perhaps somebody can write in and let yeah. us know about that. But um, I always like to. Uh, Try and offer some advice for young up-and-coming singers. Um, what what would you be advising? I'm talking, I guess, primarily from a technique standpoint. Uh, career advice is tough to give because it's a bit kind of generalised, isn't it? I mean, I guess here, 20-odd uh, years down the track, probably didn't see yourself working in, in Las Vegas Definitely in the capacity that you're in. So, And in similar case to myself, I remember the first time I did live television, I said, how do I get here? I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know anyone in this business. So Absolutely. you're going to find yourself in circumstances, you know, that, that, that you'll go, okay. But the underpinning of all of that or the underlying factor is you've got to have a voice that's reliable. 
Absolutely. Get 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 technique training. I don't mm-hmm. care who you are, how young you are, learn to use your voice properly because there's notes that I can hit now that I couldn't hit when I was 18, 19 mm-hmm. years of age. And it's just purely, it's, it's just knowledge. Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And when you understand how the vocal mechanism works, it's all about the, the, the common misconception with singers and particularly you know, people that are not trained the higher I'm going to go in my register, the more air and more mus- muscle I want to use to get there. Correct. It's actually yeah. the exact opposite. Precisely, I yes. start, I've started to talk to people, don't think of your vocal cord as a wind instrument. Think of your vocal cord as a stringed instrument because once you understand that the cords are simply wanting to shorten and less air is required to get through mm-hmm. that passage, you look at it, it's like taking the lid off a piano, you know. The big low notes are long and fat strings and, they, and the yeah. other end is they're really short and really thin strings and it's the same on your guitar. It, does, it takes no less, no more effort to play an open E than it is to fret a 12th fret and play a high E. Gotcha. It's the same effort. Now, I'm not saying that it doesn't require a little bit more finesse when you're singing higher, but mm. when you once you understand compression and using your diaphragm to regulate the airflow, mm-hmm. the chords naturally want to close off and become shorter and thinner. And bo- bad vocal techniques coming from trying to force them to do something yeah. that they're physically not designed to do. Mm. We talk about, uh, well, I talk to people about becoming stingy with the breath, mm. which doesn't mean I do not wish for that to be interpreted as that doesn't mean you don't need breath support. Because no. Of course you do. But you learn how to become stingy with it. Yeah. And you start to become uh, very sparing with how you use it the higher you go. Yeah. And, if you, you know, look, a couple of things. You, you can't match volume with a band. No. You can't match strength with a horse, Definitely. is the other expression. No. And you can't overload your vocal cords in the top without them saying, I'm sorry, I'm, I'll I'm put not, up with this I'm for a bit, yeah. but after I'm going to puff up, you know, and I'm just, I'm just not going to close properly for you. Yeah. And that's, I know there are exceptions to the rule, but, then, but there are those folks that sing rather aggressively through there, you'll normally find that they've gone for a very um, animated form or they've gone for some sort of other sound, yeah. which... which it's fine. People have built pre- built their career on that, right? Yeah. You talked about uh, Jimmy Barnes before, and uh, for, for folks who don't know uh, around the world, Jimmy Barnes is you know, an icon here, and he's a, a fantastic guy, fantastic life that he's had. And if uh, I, I thoroughly recommend reading his book, uh, mm-hmm. Working Class Boy. But Jimmy sings with compression, a different kind of compression, yeah. right? Uh, but if you were to listen to albums he did in the 80s, like the East album, I think the East album is probably the best vocal I've ever heard him do in his life, right? That's funny. We were only having this conversation yesterday. The two songs that I always get, if you want to hear Barnsley at his absolute best, Mm -hmm. Standing on the Outside on East and Forever Now on Circus Animals, listen to those two vocal takes. I swear he's singing with really good technique. I I couldn't agree more. I've had the opportunity to speak to him briefly about I don't know him. Mm -hmm. I happened to be on a a TV show with him one time um, and uh, I got got to chat to him in the afternoon. It was a a live show from the Entertainment Centre. And uh, only because He's the backing vocals of working with me, working with him, yeah. and it, it, we, you know, I heard him warming up, and that's a story for another thing. Well, it's just, it's yeah. just that, that there's a there's a passage in the middle of the middle eight in in Stan on the Atto is first thing I do when I get oh, it, it's crazy. Burn it too, it's got the whole thing down. Yeah. No matter what, it's not about my way to freedom. Yeah, it's crazy, right? He couldn't scream that. No. Right. Yeah, and now he has to, right? That's right. The reality now is when he has to use... When you listen to that, you go, oh, wow, that's, yeah. that's Barnsley with technique. Yep. And it's not, yep. it's not, it's not it's normally not a word that comes into Barnsley's vocabulary. If no. you're talking Barnsley, you don't say technique. 
But I always say, standing on the outside forever now, two absolute classic examples of Barnsley singing smooth and yeah. light. Yeah, which means that, we, that he was, at one time, he was capable of it. Yeah. Without question. No so, doubt. it's neither right nor wrong. And, and something that I say to folks, one of the things that I see, um, one of the things, I'll start that again. Uh, I see a lot of folk from that era. Mm. I had the absolute distinct pleasure of working with Doc Neeson um, yeah. up until, you know, rather sadly he's no yeah. longer with us. And this is a guy who just did it, you know what I mean? He had no idea how he did it, but he got into a point in his life where he was not able to do what he used to be able to do. And I thought yeah. this is a great challenge from my point of view because you're going to have to change something. Yeah. And will that change the artistry of the person and the individual? In, in, I yeah. say no. Well, you know, once it turned out in his case, the answer was no. Yeah. But there have been others who come at me and they're almost coming with a crucifix. Singing teacher, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I, look, firstly, I have no investment in changing somebody's voice for, for the sake of it. If I can point out to them a more effective way to use their voice and they're happy with it, they mm. can run with that. Okay. And, and that's what it, that's to me, that, that is what my job is about. When I'm working with artists that are, you know, these are people who've had 25 and 30 year careers yeah. and, and sold, you know, in some cases, millions of albums. So you kind of have Mr. Know-it-all singing teacher coming along going, well, let me tell you how to do it. And, and I think that the, the common misconception is that I think with the moment you start talking vocal technique, you, you, it's, it's, you're taking the soul out of it. But it's yeah. not the case. Emo singing is emotion. Yes. It doesn't matter what you're singing. If you, if you sing heavy metal, it's angry, it's uh, whatever, that's, that's a, the, yeah. it's emotion. If you're singing a love song or a, or a heartbreak song, it's it's pain emotion, and you can purvey that emotion in your voice. And the good thing about good technique is you can put a cry into your voice, and the cry helps close the chords. Correct. It helps, yeah. it helps compress. No, that's that's very true. So, I, anyone that comes at me and says, "Ah, technique," you know, it's you're not a good singer if you're using technique. And so I actually mm. I argue the opposite. Well, I would suggest to them the word technique. Sorry to jump in there. The word technique is more so a way of, say, of saying, well, it's a method of doing something. Now, whether whether you've got a good one or a bad one, yeah. if you've got a particular approach to doing something, you can call it something else. But it is, in essence, a technique. It's yeah. a, a way of doing. I think that's what the, the dictionary yeah. sort of says. Um, what I say to folks is if I start taking you in a direction that you're not happy with, you don't. it doesn't suddenly change anyway. It's an ongoing thing. If you like what you're doing, mm. then then you've got to dismiss what I say to you. But I, I just ask them to try it. And I must say in the vast majority, not in all, mm. the vast majority of cases, folks will come back to me and say, you know what, even warming up, hydrating and steaming alone has changed my voice. Yeah. Now, just those three things, I mean, that's free of charge, folks, today. If you, um, unless you're living, heaven forbid, in an area that's so arid, you've got no access to water, and I hope yeah. that's not the case. Water's Central available. Steam, yes, Central Australia, yes. Steam. Uh, rest, recovery, warming down, these things are free of charge to everybody. They take a little bit of time yeah. and just a little bit of nouns. That's all. Absolutely. It, it, it's not rocket science at all. And then you, you need you need a steady enough technique that doesn't just give you a bunch of fancy exercises and it all sounds uh, pretty and trilly. You've got to be able to apply what those exercises do into the songs you sing. So, so in other words... If you're voice exercising in this direction and singing in this direction, then what a waste of time. Exactly. The two things have got to marry. Yeah. And I, I use the analogy these days to students, the exercises become like an Uber. The Uber drops you where you go, mm. that's it. You know, you maybe need to get it again next time you've got to, like, repeat the journey or something. Yeah. But if you've got yourself into a routine, 
then and you know how to use your voice, then that particular skill set will increase. You'll continue to sing in in a fashion that that works for you. And you know, it's a reciprocal deal. That that comes back and helps you and you keep going. So it's very, very important. The word technique, you know, I, and I understand people don't want to be a technical singer. Mm. I think they're alluding to the fact, especially if they're a contemporary pop or rock singer, that you you maybe going to make them sound like an opera singer. And there's just no need for that at all. No, there's not. And I mean, the one thing, if I, if I take you all back to, to 2000 when I first was introduced to Lee, now I was coming from, an, uh, I'd bought the book from Seth Riggs and I'd gone as far as I could with it and then I started to hit a brick wall where I started to fall back into my old habits. Mm -hmm. As hard as I was trying to maintain where I needed to go. And out of desperation I sent an email to Seth Riggs in the States mm -hmm. in the hope that I could talk to him or do an online met lesson with or whatever. Two days later I get a, an email back from Seth Riggs with Lee McRae's phone number. Here's the guy I need to talk to. So my first introduction to Lee McRae was a one-hour lesson on a Saturday afternoon. I think it was two or two o'clock, two or three. On the phone, right? Over the phone. Yeah. This is before. I, this is before I was, Skype. I was in Shepparton, and he was up here in Sydney. Yeah. We did a one-hour phone call over the phone, which is going through everything from you know, vowel substitution uh, to too much air. There were little exercises that he gave me to apply and then we sang through a couple of songs and I went out that night and for the first time ever I sang I sang better than I'd ever thought was possible. We did the same thing again the following week. We did two one hour we did two one hour, one hour lessons on a Saturday, two Saturdays in a row. And again went out and it just changed my world because the book takes you so far but you need that one on one, even though we weren't mm. in the same room or on the phone, he could communicate to me over the phone what it was that I needed to change and, mm -hmm. and I was able to apply it. And that's a big part of it. It's it's understand it's having a having a language where you can talk to someone who's not necessarily a, a, a knowledgeable singer, but be able to pinpoint what it is that they're not doing correctly. Mm -hmm. Something that's simple and and sometimes it's just nothing more than just changing the shape of a vowel. To keep yeah. the vowel, keep the vowel closed down, so mm. that it doesn't splat and get out of hand, and mm. that's what I think was a big part of my problem in the in the beginning. Was yeah, opening up too much. Well, I thank you for that. I, I was not aware that you, you then had that kind of success so soon. But it, it, and in fairness to you, you had been searching for that. So oh, of as much as much as I, I think, well, that's very flattering of me. That and I and I, I do appreciate the comment. I was in a fortunate position that you had done a lot of work on your own. And I was able to maybe just spin that last tumble and just get you into the right spot. And you, but testament to yourself is that you've continued on with that ever since. And you oh, know absolutely. how to come back. You know how to get back in the crosshairs, I call yeah. it, you know. And that's really what it comes down to. If, if the way you're singing, if the only way you've got to sing is you sort of open your mouth and, like, hope for the best, that's great when that's working. Mm. But it's when that doesn't work, it's something that Seth used to say, well, people singing on gift. They're just yeah. singing on gift alone. Yeah. It's the it's that time when you are a bit dehydrated or you have haven't had a lot of sleep or combinations thereof or you know you're unwell. Now how do I get the voice up and running? If all I know how to do is how to push it, yeah. and I've lost that ability, which you alluded to earlier, from being yeah. a young person, what are you gonna do? And that's where you have to have some specific exercises that are gonna at the very least pull you into shape to get through the show, the rehearsal, the recording, whatever it may be that comes up, and at the very least 
the very least, not put you into vocal fatigue, so then you're chasing your tail. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. And, and I think when people understand that and, and they're willing to try something, I think they'll be very, very surprised at how effective a few simple things can, can be. And, I, you know, I know I asked you a question about what you'd say to young people, and um, I, I, I'm, I'm sort of wondering if you'd agree that, that what we just talked about there, if the, if the young people can get that, and I try and I instill that. I have clients, I normally don't take anyone on under the age of 11 or 12 unless they're in a show. If they're in a show, then, then they understand the discipline of coming to something yeah. or they're going to go into a show. You're tuned in to Live at Lee's Place where we talk to singers about singing stuff. Proudly presented by VocalMastery.com where there's never been a better time to become a great singer. Now, back to what we were talking about before yeah. there. Well, we so our advice to young people, so I mentioned before about, you know, working with the young ones. I just try and instill that discipline in them now. Not because they, 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 they should be singing. Most of the young people I see are singing songs that they shouldn't be singing. Not only are they age inappropriate lyrically and whatnot, but, but they're just vocally inappropriate. You, you, you don't have the facility at 12 that Celine Dion has. No. And, 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 you know, somebody else gives them the idea, oh, I think you should sing this song. You'd sound good singing it. Well, I'm probably going to ruffle a few feathers of what I'm about to oh. say here. So please, it's it's only my opinion and, yep. and it's not the gospel. But my concern is when you've got singers like Adele who are constantly, she's had vocal corrective surgery more mm. than once. We're talking, I think it's three times she's had I believe it might be three surgery. times, yeah. Now, um, she, she continues to do it. She'll continue to do it until she changes whatever it is that she's doing wrong. I think it's just overuse of air. She's not compressing mm-hmm. enough. Now... My concern is when you've got young girls trying to sing like her. Mm-hmm. You, it's just a recipe for disaster. You're going to end up following the same path. No, yeah. no disrespect to Adele. I'm not a big fan of her voice and the way she sings, but that's her sound. And that's she's it. made a lot of money out of it, and she's, she's world-renowned world because of it. Mm-hmm. But I just have a real problem with singers emulating or imitating a singer who's got clearly got bad technique yeah, in the fact that she's had to have vocal corrective surgery more than more than once, and that's my only thing. It's just yeah, I got no problem with you singing singing with Adele and and learning the songs, but be be mindful of the fact that if you're going to try and make you're going to imitate that sound or reproduce that sound, mm-hmm. you, there's a big chance you're going to end up in the same boat as it. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen it happen. Um, you know, there haven't been a, a, a lot of uh, singers that. Long term, so I'll rephrase this. There aren't too many female singers who have been superstars that you could now say are still singing well. Not mm. a lot of them. Uh, bless, oh, probably Whitney, we've lost her, mm. but we know what happened to that voice. Yeah. Um, and and so, someone might argue quite fairly, well, it maybe wasn't the way she sang, it was other things, but nonetheless, it's hard. Oh, it's, no, it, no, yeah. it, has, it has a bearing on it. Well, well that's still. right, because you can't separate the two issues. You can't say, well, I'm a singer, uh, but but I also I don't but I don't pay attention to my health. If but, your health's but, not well, it's going yeah, to affect that's your body. Right. Yeah, the body. It's it's one mechanism. That's right. So you've got that. Um, and the, w- the purpose of these interviews is not to cr- not to be critical of no. people, but we're just pointing things out. You, you it'd be uh, fair to say Mariah's not singing anywhere near as well as she once did. No. And um, you know, so there's a number of those iconic figures. I think Celine's still singing very well. 
Yeah, well, um, very well. Yeah, yeah. I, I did watch a, a clip the other day of her doing your the voice with Farnham. Yeah, um, it wasn't her finest hour, but I think no. it was probably more that she didn't really know the song. Yeah, and, so, what, and, and what, John wasn't particularly there to start with. I think he was very nervous, okay. and and we would not. This that is taboo. I would not criticise John. Oh, I love the guy. The love him. I adore him. Well, you can still hit those notes. How old is he now? Oh, he'd be close to seventy. He yeah. would be. I think it's about 68, 60, maybe yeah. 69 well, this year or something like that. When you can still sing You're the Voice in full voice at that yeah. age, you're doing something right. Yeah, yeah, yeah he certainly is. Um, I like, uh, certainly studio-wise, I like Ariana Grande for the young kids because she sings with a mix. I don't necessarily like the imagery and stuff, but, you know, that's I'm a middle-aged that's, father, that's, you know. Well, I'm more middle-aged. Yeah, but, yeah. but insofar as actually the vocal quality, I think, so I'm quite happy when the younger ones want to maybe sing songs uh, you know, that, that have that kind of bent to them. but that my, my biggest problem at the moment is I'm just overhearing auto-tune. Yes. It's just I know it's an effect and I know that it's a big part of the sound, but I miss the 80s in the fact that whenever a new band came out, they had, a, they had their own sound. Correct. Every band was different and every band was unique and, and it, it made the music what it was. And, yeah. And you listen to it now, it's like, well, who's that? Oh, I don't, I don't know. They sound the same. And you know what? That's a valid point. Could you imagine uh, if we were recording engineers and we went to Frank Sinatra when he was recording and said, don't worry about singing that in tune, Frank. We'll fix it afterwards. Yeah. And we'd have gone, what? Pretty, what pretty, are you guys going on sure about? that wouldn't have flown. I don't think that would have flown at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so interesting that the change in people's ears. There's a young producer that I use here. Um, if I record someone and they do one of those pop songs and they want to mix it, I dare say radio style. I don't do that. I don't own auto-tune. I don't own Melodyne. I don't own any of it. No. But, you know, the reality is the kids want to be in that marketplace. I get the vocal here as as perfect as I possibly can, yeah. and then they send it off. The way I kind of view it is, look, you've got a brand-new table and it needs a coat of varnish, you know. Yeah. But if the, if the table's rough, then all the scratches are going to be shown up. So we do what we can. I train people how to sing. Yeah. That's what my job is. Yeah. They then take that mix, and it's a guy that I use. I got into a conversation with this guy one day, and he's, he's probably his late 20s, I suppose. Yeah. And he says to me, oh, you know, who are the singers that you like? And I mentioned Stevie Wonder, and I mentioned um, Don Henley from the Eagles. I started yeah. talking to these kinds of singers. He said, the Eagles. And you could hear him, his brain ticking over. He said, he said, when I hear those recordings, they sound like demos to me. Now, can you believe that kind of thing? And, and I said to him, polished bands on that. Yeah, so be it. But I questioned him further. I said, why is that? He said, oh, the tuning. Now, see, he's got he's got these other ears, you see. I don't have those ears. But he's, he's tuning perfectly. And that's not, and that, well, was, that was what. That assuming was, it's that was, perfect. That's the thing, like with the 60s and the 70s and the yeah. 80s, you can hear the imperfections in it. You can hear the, yeah. the notes that aren't What's quite the character? a warble there or a slight break in the voice. That's what made that, that vocal tape. You get no argument from me at yeah. all, you know. Uh, but I thought, and also, who, I mean, I'm moving into areas now not related to singing. Yeah. It's like the look of people now. So people go and get cosmetic surgery. Yeah. Well, somebody, you. well. Let's not go down that path. Well, but here's my point, though. It's like somebody <laughs> said, see this look here yeah. with the, the lips like you got punched in the face yeah. and the, the eyes like this and Those the, the face. That's the look you're going to have. And so everybody sort of roughs, rushes to that look, and then they don't look all that unique anymore. Well, they seem to kind of look the same. Well, I think part of it's vanity. Well, there's that part, but that's what's happening with vocals as well. I, I agree yeah. with you. I hear some of these vocals when they, the kids bring them back, and, yeah, they're, they're, going, they're perfectly in line and there's no breath marks in the whole bit, and I go, 
What's going to happen if I put you on a stage tomorrow and you sing that? Yeah, I still remember the the Diorama album from Silverchair. Uh-huh. I'm not a big fan of Silverchair, but I did. I, there's some songs I like. That, 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 uh, the Greatest View on the Diorama album, but I remember buying that CD just for that song. Right. And it had a, it had a little disclaimer on the on the credits that basically said, "Yeah, we make no apologies for you know bum singing notes or or, or off chords or whatever. We just right. refuse we refuse to use any software that's going to correct any mistakes mm-hmm. that may happen because we believe that's that's the sound that's that's, yeah. that's the sound we've created. That's what we want you to hear. And Correct. That's the way it was and that's the way they went. And I, I had a whole new respect for for Silverchair after reading yeah. it because I was like, you know what, that's that's what we're getting away from, and it's even worse now than it was then. But what I was um, mental blank now. There was something I was going to say. Maybe about the Eagles. No, it wasn't about the Eagles. Oh, talking modern day singers. I got put onto uh, a band. The band's called Nothing But Thieves. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Nothing but thieves. Yeah, no. they're from the UK. I don't can't say I trust them. I heard them. Well, I, I, them. I tell you, if you <laughs> want to hear a good young singer who's just a powerhouse singer and he's good to, I've actually read some interviews with him and he was properly trained. He's had mm-hmm. technique training because I said, how do, you, how do you sing like that and not blow your voice out? Mm-hmm. He said, I'm being taught how to sing correctly. I'm not going to hurt myself. Um, he just got this really, he's almost got like a Jeff Buckley-esque mm-hmm. tone to his voice, but he's just, he's his own singer and he's just, the band's really, really good and he's a great singer. That's so great. You want to hear. hear some stuff that's not an auto-tuned over the top, and these guys are great live. Do a mm. lot of the do a lot of the big European festivals and all that sort mm-hmm. of stuff in Germany. Now I'm just going to start winding things down a bit. Yeah. It's probably time to ask question number. What question number would it be? It would have to be question one, I think. Oh, the other other page mate, I think. For you, yeah. Question one. Ah, here we go. All right. How often should I practice? A. Uh, whenever I feel like it. Uh, B. Only when I have something coming up. Or C, only on the days that I breathe. Ah, yes. Now, this I, I'm going to go with C. Well, only on the days you breathe. We touched on that one. I, I, I definitely warm up every day, even yeah. if I don't have a gig. I once, uh, when I was having a lesson with Seth Riggs, I asked him a question, which I don't think he interpreted correctly. <laughs> I'm, what I meant to ask was, how often should I practice this particular exercise? Yeah. And I'm about to give you my... Uh, impression and he had the glasses on yeah. he did the professor he looked over and he said only on the days that you breathe and i thought <laughs> that pretty much sums it up right at that point yeah. um my friend it's been wonderful having you here i'm looking forward to the show tonight i always uh, bring my family we're, we're very excited to come awesome and uh, look folks there's never been a better time to be a great singer really it's there's no excuse now there's that many resources you think about the resources that are around now yeah compared to when wow. when we were starting out, you know, there was Absolutely. there were no backing tracks, there were no YouTube, there was there was none of that. There was, you know, if you went to a singing teacher, you probably went to an opera teacher. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much how it worked. There are so many things available. I I really want to urge you to get out there and have a look. And the only thing left for us to do, my friend, is let's go and have a sing. Have a sing. Thank you like, very much. Like a great idea. Good on you, my friend. Thank you. you Wonderful to see you too. Thank you.
time making money And you can spend all your love making time One more time Take it to the limit Take it to the limit Take it to the limit One more video of today's podcast go to youtube.com forward slash vocal mastery where you can catch up with all our other great episodes <laughs>